What is up, everybody? Welcome to The Stack. I'm Alex. I'm Justin. I'm Pete. And on The Stack, we talk about a bunch of books that have come out this week, and we are going to be doing one of your requests. We've been asking people to leave a rating and comment on iTunes with requests for older books, and this week we've got one of those requests. This is from... Indie 77 on iTunes asked for Marvel Knights Marvel Boy by Grant Morrison at J.G. Jones. So we're going to be talking about that at the end of the podcast. If you'd like to request something, absolutely anything, old OGN trade collection thing we missed, whatever it is, leave it in the iTunes comments there. But first, we're going to get to a bunch of new books, kicking off with Ghost Rider number one for Marvel, written by Benjamin Percy, art by Corey Smith. Now, I believe this is the 17th Ghost Rider number one that's debuted in the past year, so that's yes. pretty exciting. <laughs> it's about time this guy <laughs> got a shot. Hey, the, come on! Ghost no, Rider, I, I'm on. being glib, I'm being mean. There's been a lot of them, but this one does have Benjamin Percy, who is great and definitely on a roll here, and there's a pretty good concept to kick it off, which is one of the Ghost Riders, I'm not going to bother to figure out which one has been trapped seemingly? <laughs> I don't know. They're all the same. They're on no. motorcycles or whatever. Come on, dude. They're not. There's different people. All right. Somebody else introduced this. That go ahead, Pete. If you love Ghost Rider so much, you want to kiss him right on his. This guy's skull. name is Johnny Blaze, which is very okay. different than the other ones who are named Bobby Zoom, <laughs> uh, <laughs> Danny Fast Fast, and uh, <laughs> Danny Wheel. <laughs> yeah, it's weird that they named two of them Daddy, but it's cool. It anyway, Johnny Blaze has, he's in a suburban nightmare. Something happened to him. He got into a motorcycle accident. He's being told that Wait. is the reason he is picturing some demons and things going on. But of course, that's not actually what's going on. He's trapped in hell. Spoiler there, but you can figure it out from the beginning. Um, I'll tell you what, really like the structure here. Almost felt like a Tom King book, and I say that as a compliment. (laughs) I almost wish, frankly, they had dragged it out a little bit more. Wow. Rather really? than getting to wow. it at the end here, uh, which I'm is surprised to hear kind of a crazy opposite. comment for me. Oh, yeah. Yeah, this is the opposite of where I'm coming at it for sure. Well, how'd you feel about it, Pete? Because you're a big Ghost Rider fan. I am. Uh, maybe the only one on this podcast. Uh, I've read a ton of uh, yo, Ghost yo, yo. We know all the names of the Ghost Riders, okay? Oh, we yeah, just, we just send them. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. Anyways. Um, the one that rode the bicycle <laughs> oh, was slower. <laughs> there was the skateboard Ghost Rider. Oh, he was stop pretty it. scary. The guy who was on the Segway briefly who slowly dispensed vengeance and justice. <laughs> In the um, mid and, and Bitcoin, he also dispensed Bitcoin. He was into NFTs. He would have had a, his chain whip was mostly. Um, wow, this is so ape. topical and fun. Did you want to work on any other stand up material while you're? Uh, while you're no, I'm good. I've got my five. I do okay, five great. minutes on Ghost Rider. High five on you know NFTs. <laughs> this guy's so topical. He really has got his finger on the pulse. Yeah, this is great. I, yeah, so I feel like this. Uh, Comic does a fun kind of setup of like explaining maybe where this ghostwriter has been and what he's been going through, but it's nice to finally get him on the bike, you know, back being ghostwriter and fucking doing the ghostwriter thing. So uh, I'm the only one paying attention to the comic we're talking about, but it's no, good stuff. <laughs> Alex, don't, 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 Alex, don't. Just let's move past it. Let's just move past it, man. Uh, I like this book a lot. Um, we really, 
<laughs> in a lot of other books, they would have used this sort of premise to be like a short little bit. Instead, we get the whole issue uh, where Johnny Blaze is really struggling. Great time in therapy. Um, Alex's head is bursting into uh, flames right reason, now. For some reason, I thought maybe after you were really going to get into things and kind of threaten or uh, make some big proclamations, but I guess no, you're just going to do a regular. Okay, great, great. I did it for a second, but Alex, I was already broken, so I couldn't okay. continue. Yeah. I'm good. Uh, I'm doing great. <laughs> I yeah, I do feel like they dragged it out a little bit, but I'm excited to see where this is going. Um, amazing art, really cool uh, ghostwriter kind of art on this. Aquaman number one from DC Comics, written by Chuck <laughs> Brown and Brandon Thomas, art by Sammy Bossery. This is teaming up the two Aquaman. We have the former Aqualad, now promoted to Aquaman, teaming up with his, the regular... When did you guys get promoted from lad to man? <laughs> <laughs> For those of you listening on the audio <laughs> podcast and not necessarily Which is watching. everyone. This, <laughs> this is we're recording this in a Zoom. <laughs> yeah. Well, maybe this video goes up on YouTube, guys, and uh, that's important. Uh Justin took off his belt and uh, now Pete was minding taking off his belt and yeah. really threw me for a loop. Fun so times. that's all. Anyway, uh, this is uh, teaming up the two Aquamans to solve a new mystery. Orm has attacked the United Nations. Fucking they Orm. are fighting on two fronts. Meanwhile, Black Manta has his own things going on, spinning out of the Black Manta series. Um, this is another one that I'm like, I feel like there's a new Aquaman series every two months. But this yeah. is good. I had a very fun time reading this. What did you guys think? I agree. This was really fun. I, I really love the art as well. I feel like it has a real kind of classic superhero feel to the art. I'm very excited about where our uh, Black Manta as a character is going. Um, yeah, I think they're doing some fun stuff in this book. I'm very excited to see where it's going to go. Um, yeah, the there's so much psychological drama going on here, especially for like an issue one where uh, – the classic Arthur Aquaman um, and our new Aquaman like are like, are, are you good? I'm good. Are you good? There's like the Black Manta dad issues going on. So there's so much psychology at play that I feel like it's surprising for a number one to come in so hard on that. But um, I thought the action was good and I like sort of the, the underlying plot of anyone with Atlantean genetics is a basic ticking time bomb on the on land. Cool stuff. Next up, Step by Bloody Step, number one from Image Comics, written by Cy Spurrier, art by Mateus Bergara. This is a pretty much silent issue as a young kid is raised by a giant robot-looking thing. There's some action. There's some twists. There's some turns. Pete, I read this book, and I thought this must be right in your wheelhouse. Was I correct? Yes. I mean, this is beautiful. This, to me, is just uh, great karmic art and unbelievable. I, karmic. The, uh, the the art leading the comic, you don't need words. You don't need all the fucking bullshit of what happened before. Enjoy where this is and what's happening and kind of figure it out. Put things together. Uh, you don't need somebody. You know what I mean? Like telling you what they're saying or what's going on. It's all on the page, and this is beautifully explored in this book, and I think such a cool artistic way. I loved it from start to finish. Cy Spurrier comes at comics from, like, a whole different mindset, and just 
beautiful just opening shot of this giant hand opening on our main character. Um, and uh, from there on, it was just like a good uh, wordless story um, where we follow into this like darker, more like well, fantasy world that we don't know exactly what the rules are of yet. Great stuff. Definitely pick it up. Next up, all new Firefly number one from Boom Studios, written by David M. Boer, art by Jordi Perez. Now, we had David on the show, I think, last week to talk about Rain from Image Comics. This didn't even come up. That's oh, our wow. bad. We really Oops. missed the uh, we yeah. missed the boat, but this is huge opportunity. Rebooting the Firefly series with a new direction after Greg Pak has been doing such a great job for so long. What did you think about this new direction? Well, first, I recommend you going back and listening to the episode where we completely blew it. You know, it's got to be enjoyable <laughs> now to listen to us, like, chatting on about something else instead of maybe what we should have been talking about. No, I think we should have been talking about what we were talking about. But this mm. is just would have been an interesting uh, sort of second beat of the conversation. Oh, okay. Interesting. I wish we had been able to just, like, Take our belts off and relax, you know, during the interview. <laughs> Sometimes you just got to take your belt off and just maybe threaten somebody with it a little bit, but then just say, no, I, what do you look, I wasn't doing anything. Now, Pete, you've been loving the Greg Pak stuff, and that's been sort of dealing with uh, the characters sort of outside of the ship, or we've saw a lot of flashback issues. This mm-hmm. is very much in sort of the current, quote-unquote, current continuity um, with uh, the with Kaylee piloting the ship, yeah, uh, different uh, takes on it, but I'm I'm definitely enjoying this art style. is great, um, you know. I, I like what this is setting up. Uh, very creative. Uh, seems a lot of fun and interesting. I love the focus on Jane. Seems very interesting. Yeah. Carnage Forever, number one from Marvel, written by Philip Kennedy Johnson, art by Edgar Salazar. This is a story of the Carnage symbiote, which has been essentially freed from Cletus Cassidy, I believe, at this point, though still very tied to Cletus Cassidy's memories and experiences. Still goes by Cletus. Yes. Corrupting a young girl who is near the orphanage that he grew up in. There's some horrific twists and turns and some setups for the future here. Philip Kennedy Johnson, bad, good at heart, does a good job yeah. at it. Uh, I just want to say uh, this book is amazing, really cool, but the carnage take on Family Circle in the backup? Oh, yeah. wow. Just it's so funny you say that. Just like, oh, come in that family circle, dude. Oh, I loved it. It was Family I Circus, it. I think you mean, but I was going to say the exact same thing. One of my favorite parts of the uh, issue. The Cletus, the legit menace. Oh, come on. I mean, uh, just taking on Dennis, the menace, old school uh, newspaper style. I, I think this is uh, so creative and fun. But the book itself, unbelievable art, fantastic action, uh, really kind of creepy use of carnage. And uh, a kid, which always scares the fuck out of me every time a, a kid is involved. You should have uh, children. Uh, that seems scary They're enough in comics. I don't. I don't need to experience that for myself. Well, they say it's a great training to read comic book stories about kids, and then you <laughs> you'll prepare fully prepared to have children. Oh yeah, I'm sure that's all it takes. A couple of comics, and then you're ready for kids on your own. Yeah, hundred percent. 
Uh, I th- oh, go ahead. Uh, real quick, I just thought this. Um, I agree with you. The the twists and turns of the opening story um, is by Philip Kennedy Johnson is so good. It catches you off guard, sort of at each turn, in a really great way. Task Force Z number five from DC Comics, written by Matthew Rosenberg, Bergie, art by Eddie Barrows and Eber Ferrera, with Matt Centarelli. And Jack Herbert, this book is following a bunch of zombie villains who are led by Jason Todd. In this issue, they go up against a bunch of other zombie villains. Pete, you love this one. Talk about it. Yeah, I think this is just really over-the-top fun. Just crazy, awesome, intense art and action. It's just a solid fucking comic. You know, Task Force Z, you're like, okay, this is going to be zombies. And then they just turn it to 11. So, great. They threw a lot of characters at the wall here, um, and they are of similar mask design, and uh, they all hate each other. I am enjoying this book, but I want more people to die. You know, wow. like I feel like wow. wow. Well, there's zombies, and they could die and be brought back. And granted, a major plot of this particular issue is how they're sort of losing the ability to bring these co- folks back. But I don't know. I feel like if you're going to do a Task Force Z, should be Task Force X, aka Suicide Squad, without that hamper of like, well, we can't really kill them because then we permanently right. kill them. Um, and they're getting there. It's very fun, but I want to see it more so. I just want to see it to be like a bloodbath. You can't just have fun along the way, man. No. He wants Fuck. murder, death. The stakes are only good when they're high. Yeah, I. Jesus this is a real – the star of this book is Bloom, um, which is a character created by Scott Snyder in sort of his uh, – middle yeah. of his run on oh Batman. Oh, my God, yeah. And what a great issue for, for that character. would be very curious to see sort of what the future – like a real new Batman canon villain that we haven't really – we don't see that very often. Uh, what are you doing, Pete? I'm just out, why Justin's talking. He's like looking himself flexing in the fucking thing. So I was just <laughs> no, trying to okay. see. stretching. I was stretching. Just like, oh, look at the fucking tries on this guy. Oh my god. Hey, yeah. if you want to admire my my arms, please do so. Uh, send me an email. <laughs> <laughs> Speaking of huge things, super massive one shot image comics written by Kyle Higgins, Ryan Parrott, and Matt Groom, art by Francesco Mana, with assistance from Melania Palladino, with Samud Ragazzoni and Marcelo Costa, Abel and Eric Durso. This issue is expanding dramatically the Radiant Black universe. Now we talk to Cherish Chen, who's writing the Radiant Red series that is spinning off of this. And this not only spins off of Radiant Black, but also promises a much bigger universe with a bunch of spinoffs there. What did you think about this one shot? Uh, I thought it was great. Like we talked uh, on on the live show with Cherish, who's doing Radiant Red. Like this this book is is we've said it from the beginning. It's so much better than it has than it needs to be or has any right to be, and it is really just good. Great grounded characters um, that ex- feel real exist in the real world, and they're fighting in like Power Rangers type battles. Like it's. It's just fun, uh, fun rooted in some real storytelling. Yeah, I mean, uh, you know, I feel really bad about that deer in the the first couple of panels, but I think this is a really 
uh, cool crossover event. It's very intense, over the top, a lot of action. Yeah, it kind of reminds me of kind of like a Voltron or a Mighty Morphin Power Rangers type of thing. But, uh, man, just really well done. The whole Radiant Black uh, world has been really cool, and they're doing a good job kind of exploring it a little bit more here with this. Berserker, number seven from Boom Studios, written by Keanu Reeves and Matt Kent, art by Ron Garney. In this issue, our main character is finding out, as usual, a lot more about his past, but also a way of accessing what's going on with his past and potentially his future. This series continues to be so good, so bloody, so violent, and this real star here is Ron Garney's art, which is impeccable, as usual. But I also I agree with you. But I also like sort of the the way the story is pushing through all of that, just like regular violence, and really getting into this idea of if you are immortal, what are you actually doing to the world? And the the conversation between between Berserker and the uh, the other guy in this issue is about like you actually brought technology to all these different parts of the world because you were alive long enough to travel it there. Like you've seen so much, you've brought language to different places. Like, and I love that sort of like uh, larger brain thinking of what the, the ramifications of this premise would be. Yeah. I think it's a, uh, continues to be like a super badass story, but it's also fun to kind of like uh, get Keanu Reeves voice in it a little bit. And it sounds uh, just like, Keanu. it does in my head for sure. It does. Uh, he reads all the lines, but, uh, I, I just think this is, uh, continues to push this character in in cool and, and different ways. And, uh, it's impressive because we've seen it in different hands with different celebrities kind of behind it. And right now they're really crushing it. Yeah. The human the, tar- the Sandra Bullock berserker was less effective, I thought. Yes. Oh, don't take shots at Sandra. Oh, I'm just saying, like from the uh, the Lake House expanded universe, like I feel like that was just less less successful. Come to the Lake House. Do they say that in the trailer? Or what are you talking about? Yeah, from the movie. Oh. You're gonna challenge Pete on a rom com? <laughs> yeah, yeah. you know that he's was, got that on that lock, my back. kid. The Human Target, number five from DC Comics, written by Tom King and Greg, art by Greg Smallwood. In this issue, Ice and Human Target, who have recently become intimate, sit down with Martian Manhunter to find out exactly what's going on in terms of the plot that led to the eventual death of Human Target. This issue is awesome. It's a perfect comic. Oh my it's a God. perfect comic. I was surprised to see you guys. Like, it took a really long time to pass the salt. I mean, the whole issue, it, the, it's just you're barely getting that salt passed. So I'm surprised you guys like it so much. It was driving me nuts. Like, I love this a slow salt. the salt already. You know what I mean? Like, I so love much. a slow so salt. The construct of this issue is we get Martian Manhunter sitting down to dinner with Ice and Human Target, and at the same time, Martian Manhunter, as he does, psychically attacks Human Target and tries to find out what he knows. But over the course of it, as he is plugging through his memories, and as we, the reader, are jumping through his memories, we also find out how the Human Target trained back in the day to resist psychic attacks, and part of that is getting into the memories of the person who is attacking him, which means he is able to find out a clue to further this mystery from Martian Manhunter. So it's jumping back and forth between them. And the construct with the salt, which is so simple, but so fucking smart, is 
it's a chess piece. He's moving the salt on this checkered table. And as he moves it, you're like, oh, he's doing chess moves the entire time. It's brilliant. Like you said, perfect, perfect issue. Was completely blown away by this. The revelation that we get about Martian Manhunter here is so cool and so smart. I love it. Great. All right. Why don't we move on? Pete loved it too. Pete loved it too. No, it's fine. I read this issue and I was like, Pete hated this issue. Why don't we move on? (laughs) Rockstar and Softboy, number one from Image Comics by Cedar Grace. This is a story of two very ridiculous characters getting together and fighting a bunch of stuff in very ridiculous ways. What did you guys think of this one? Yeah, Uh, I'm... Good. I was just going to say, this is just over-the-top fun. A lot of very creative uh, characters here. A lot of fun with the arts and the paneling and and stuff like that. And, uh, yeah, I mean, it's fun to see the kind of, like, clash of these two characters and uh, great use of stuffed animals. Uh, (laughs) I feel like um, Cena's really carving out this um, this area in the comic book world of – Telling sort of these uh, these real world stories in super heightened ways. Um, you drawing on like what feels like lived experience for him and making it just super fun, super superhero-y with great jokes throughout. And I think that's just that's an area of comics I wish we saw more of. Yeah, great. It's good stuff. Why don't we move on and talk about House of Slaughter number five. This is uh, from Boom Studios. It's written by James the Fourth and Tate Bromble. Art is by Chris Sheehan. In this issue, we're finally getting the showdown that was promised from the beginning between, uh, I'm forgetting the name of the characters, but the dude who has joined the House of Slaughter who wants to kill everybody in the House of Slaughter and his boyfriend. We also get some big revelations here in terms of what's been going on in the background and what he's been doing in the quote-unquote present day. This uh, series continues to be absolutely fantastic, absolutely romantic, and I love what it's doing to flesh out the world. And also something I didn't think I would uh, say again, but great use of stuffed animals as well in this comic. Um, (laughs) But yeah, it just really kind of like... Such a cool way to kind of come at this. It's not just the person being like, hey, fuck you. There's also love involved and all these different things. So it's really interesting to see how this is all going to play out. Uh, Love the art. Love the action. This is just continues to be a great exploration of this world and these ideas and uh, some really cool character studies for sure. Uh, Yeah, I, I mean, I agree. I agree. Detective Comics number 1054 from DC Comics, written by Mariko Tamaki and Matthew Rosenberg, arc by Max Rayner and Fernando Blanco. In this issue, we're finally getting the thing that was promised at the beginning of this arc. Everything is starting to fall down in Arkham Tower as Dr. Ware is drawn thin. Psycho Pirates hold is broken by Nightwing, of course. And everybody starts to go absolutely nuts. Meanwhile, the backup, our kid, oh, who's just this ended is up ju- on no, the wrong side dude, of the come law. on, like, ah, oh. it's trouble. Yeah, I mean, I, it's uh, it's stressful, man. But in this we, issue, Batman sends his third Robin, Tim Drake, and we do get, I think, confirmation that we're kind of going forward through time here. This is a 
decades or years spanning thing or whatever the actual continuity. He's grown um, up, our, our yeah, poor suffering kid. In front of our very eyes. Uh, he's just, uh, some bad things are happening to him there. Uh, these Both of these stories are so good, I can't believe it. Every issue is great. Yeah, I agree. Uh, really loving how like we're kind of getting the the kind of prison thing falling apart and uh, kind of like the fallout of what's going to happen with that. Very excited about the buildup of that. But the heartbreaking thing is this, you know, you know, this kid, uh, whether he's going to be good or bad and growing up in Gotham and having all these insane villains as influences, like how it affects the kid. And then we have like, I don't know which Batman it is. It's like 80s disco Batman makes some horrible choices with this kid here. And wow. uh, it's just like, uh, you know, why would he do this? You know, and like Robin's clearly talking with him, trying to help. And then like Batman steps in as a complete disco douche. Well, just on that, uh, less disco and more um, Osriel when um, he took over for Batman um, after Bane broke the bat is the era that we're in. And so, yeah, of course, he's made way more extreme. And our our guy just hitting his teen years really pays a price here. Yeah, and it's I, I gotta fucking say, heartbreaking. I, the I, horrible choices are being made in, in front of this kid. And I it just, uh, you know, I don't uh, – this kid's not going to turn out good. I feel like you're sort of a father to this child. Well, I'm I'm worried about him, so maybe. But like, uh, I just I just don't know why Batman would think that would be a cool thing to do or a good thing to do. He's you a know? bad Batman. That's the whole point. Asriel is an insane Batman that ultimately drives Bruce Wayne to push himself harder, get past his broken back. And become Batman again. That's the whole yep. plot. And that's how healing works forever. And just in between that, this, you know, just going to fuck up this kid. That's the cool. Haven't no, you read this whole era of Batman? You're a yeah, physical a while ther- ago. You're a physical therapist, though, Pete. You know, if somebody breaks their back, you make a, you bring in a worse version of them to be like, whoa. That that guy shouldn't be hanging out with <laughs> yeah. my wife and kids. Yeah, I broke my leg and Pete sent in some asshole into my home yeah. to be That's me right. for several weeks. Wow. Yeah. Uh, the front story, though, I feel like this has been such a great meticulous. I, I just want to say, though, Justin, the asshole who showed up did love your brother. You know what I mean? Like really respected. <laughs> Spoiler: your It was Pete. It was Pete who was the asshole. <laughs> uh, I just want to say the front story, the main story. It's, it's it's such a meticulous breakdown of showing this thing that seemed like such a shining, like good thing. Ridiculous mm-hmm. at first, felt like it was a shining good thing, and then the way it's degraded in these last couple issues, really good, really smart. Bolero number two from Image Comics, written by Wyatt Kennedy, art by Luana Vecchio. In the last issue, this woman who was absolutely heartbroken after breaking up with her significant other, potentially years earlier, but just didn't get over it, got a multiple second chance thanks to some sort of weird cat god thing who offered to jump her into alternate universe versions of herself. I'll tell you what, I was very surprised by the direction of this issue. I expected at the end of the last issue, I, I don't remember the exact number, but it's something like 52 universes that you could jump into. So I was like, okay, so we're going to get 52 issues of this. Great. That's not what happens at all. It jumps through a good chunk of them in this issue alone, and there are a wild amount of ideas on play here. Um, I was very impressed with everything that goes on, and also the art continues to be gorgeous, in my opinion. Um, What did you guys think? 
I mean, I agree with you. I really like this. I like the aggressiveness with which um, the story sort of moving through uh, the narrative um, and the way it's like the echoes of what a uh, a relationship can do to you. And we see sort of her uh, trying to deal with it and doing whatever she can to um, to try to get it back. Pete, you don't like it because there's nudity, right? Yeah, yeah. I mean, you can't read it on the train. Um, there's a lot of where different... Where are you on the train? What train point? are you on? Yeah, where when are you going on trains? I'm on adorable little trolleys here in You're Philadelphia. You're on Thomas the Tank Engine. You giving yeah, Tommy a ride? Uh, don't, don't fucking question my uh, trainability here. But, uh, yeah, I just, you know, there are certain comics that are in people's wheelhouses and other things that get... Uh, weird sexually with cats and stuff, and I don't want to do that. You know what I mean? But There's hey, none. if you're into it, great. And Come ex- on. I explore mean, things, make yourself happy. Sometimes you look at that butthole and you're like, what the fuck did you just <laughs> say out loud? <laughs> the killer affairs of the state number one from Archaia aren't by bats. Art by written by bats. Art by Lucas Jackamon. I really uh, hope your kids never listen to this. I mean, they're never going to. What did they you... will once we're once we're dead and gone, they're going to look back and be like, "Dad loves too much cats to and buttholes." Oh, it's too much poor to come Daddy, through. I'm going to listen to thousands of hours of comic book podcasts to get to know him. This is our this is our lo- long audio gravestone. I'll guys. tell you what, it's been more positive than negative. That's my main thing. 100%. So they'll forgive me a rare insinuation that you're looking at a weird way in your cat's butthole. That's yes, all exactly. They'll forgive you. I'm worried about what they're thinking no, about you. No, I don't you. have a cat. You yeah, have a exactly. cat. Exactly. I don't yeah. have a cat either, Pete. You're, you're the, the one, one with the... looking at the cat's butthole. Pete, oh my god! All the, the time. All the time. <laughs> oh my god. Wow, you can't hear Play this on the podcast, but he just licked his lips. <laughs> uh, brother, play the episode where Dad laughed when the other guy took his belt off, and then he talked about the butthole. <laughs> oh, oh, that's God. that's how I want to remember our poor papa. I can't believe you guys are in charge. Hey, what do you think about the killer affairs of the state? Number one. Yeah, it's good. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Pete's changed. Great. Uh, Why don't we move on then and talk about Action Comics number no, 1000. Wow. What? Oh, do you have anything to say about this one? No, I mean, I, I thought this book was cool. It's like very verbose. Um, mm-hmm. Really getting into like a lot of great uh, art. Great, mm-hmm. great art. And, and like, it's like a very austere book. Like, I'm curious what, uh, what we're getting into. Mm hmm. Well, why don't we move on to Action Comics 1040 then from DC Comics, written by Philip Kennedy Johnson, Sean Aldridge, art by Ricardo Frederici and Andrea Mello. In the front story, Superman is continuing his fight against Warworld with some big twists going on here. And in the back story, we get Martian Manhunter doing some cute stuff with a cat. Oh, I just... Yeah, I wish we weren't talking about the stuff we were before, but yeah, this the <laughs> uh, the power of the cat stuff is really fun. And uh, if you could that cat a has cage, a butthole, yeah. oh, why, yeah. Justin? Why? 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 If you could create a cage in your tubby, Pete, where you could carry around your cat all day, would you do that? Well, I mean, 
Krang Styles is, you know, that's where Krang would have his. Krang uh, Styles. Yeah, you know, his that's brain. where his brain is in his stomach, uh, stomach there. So, yeah. Let me yeah. ask you this, Pete. If you could have a cage in your stomach where one end was the food for the cat to eat and the other end was the <laughs> litter for the cat to would you do that? So it was a perfect that universe. Like a horrible design. A horrible it's a perfect design. universe. Some some sort sort of cat. Yeah, you could be some sort of briefcase man. I'm just oh, my yeah. God. It doesn't seem necessarily applicable, but it's the first thing that came to mind. The 100%. front story is so good here. I know they say this every issue, but the way that Philip Kennedy Johnson is writing Superman, yes. I love this. I love his characterization. I love it. I love I've been swimming in raw sewage, and I love it. I, I really do, though. It's just, it's so inspiring, the way that he writes Superman, the way that Superman is staying even despite everything that's going on in World World, despite all of his circumstances with Mongol and everything else. Like, we were talking about this, actually, I think Tim Seeley mentioned this on our live show this week about the tendency to break down characters and just grind them down. And what Philip Jenny Johnson has done here is he's put Superman in a situation where he's being ground down and he doesn't care because he's super bad. Like, it yeah. does he only not- has his morals. He doesn't have his powers. And yeah. even in this issue, uh, Midnighter, who's in this book, is like, hey, don't worry. I figured out how to take out the engines that are keeping you from having your powers. He's like, you don't do that, please. That'll yeah. mess up my plan of getting beat up every day. <laughs> well, that's what uh, that was like. First off, I really agree. Uh, Philip Kennedy Johnson's killing this book. It's such a great exploration of like Superman and like who he is as a character. And regardless of powers or whatever, still the same kind of person, still the same beliefs. It makes me very happy. Very cool. Um but it just the fact that like Midnighter's trying to help and doing the wrong thing is uh, it's a little bit heartbreaking. Mm. It's such a good book, though. Definitely yeah. pick it up. Next up, Deadly Class, number 51 from Image Comics, written by Rick Remender, art by Wes Craig. In this one, Marcus finally meets up with Maria. Mariah? I don't know how we're pronouncing that again. And it's not a very smooth reunion. Pete. I feel like you're on Marcus Sia shipper. Yeah, so I am. This? So this was a little tough, especially because he was like, this is who they're supposed to be with. And yeah. I was like, oh, come on. Like, don't tell us there's no other ships here. I mean, come on, man. Uh, but classic remender, he'll rip your heart out. You know what I mean? Like, uh, just give him enough pages and he'll, he'll he'll make you twist in the breeze. But I I can't say enough about the art and the action. This is an unbelievable book. And regardless of who you're shipping, you're still going to have a good time. This felt like it could have been the last issue of the series. Um, for a second, I thought it was. Yeah, uh, yeah definitely. And and I, I wouldn't have minded that, I think. I I think this I'm a, a Maria Marcus shipper so like um, I'm here Co- for it. Of course you are. I'm curious to see how we get uh, where we land next issue. Okay. Absolutely, Black Hammer Reborn number nine from Dark Horse Comics, written by Jeff Lemire, art by Caitlin Yarsky. In this issue, we're getting some big revelations about what's going on. With these parallel universes, as usual, really good characterization. Keatlin Yarsky's art is absolutely fantastic. Uh, what did you guys think of this one, though? Yeah, I mean, this continues to be unbelievable. This kind of like 
you know, we're kind of getting to the point where we're getting characters, their powers back, and people are starting to be able to fight again. So this is very exciting. Uh, we're getting some forward movement in the story. Things are coming together. Uh, it continues to be just a powerhouse of not only amazing art, but great characters. Uh, yeah, the I mean, I, I agree. We get the sort of Thomas Wayne treatment at the end of the issue here in a cool way. Uh, so... Uh, let's see what happens next. DC versus Vampires, number five from DC Comics, written by James Tynan the Fourth and Matthew Rosenberg. Art by, yep, uh, by Otto Schmidt and <laughs> Simone DeMeo. In this issue, the Justice League is coming directly for Batman and Green Arrow because they think they're the vampires that have killed the Flash, but in fact, Green Lantern and Wonder Woman are vampires. They've been tricking them. They have. And meanwhile, the Suicide Squad is dealing with some vampires of their own. Specifically, there is a Joker vampire on the loose, which oh. is probably bad news for everybody. Oh, boy. That guy's tricky. Pete, you want to talk about this one? Yeah, this is just really fun. Unbelievable art. Action-packed. Love the kind of like uh, Batman thinking things through in this issue. The choices that are being made. I'm having a blast. You know, first, when I heard this title, I rolled my eyes a little bit. But, man, I'm so happy to be wrong and having a blast with this. Um, I want this to be just an ongoing series. I want this to just run and run and run because it is really good. And um, they're just the last panel. We haven't even talked about that. I'm like, oh, this is bad. This is bad. Bad news. Great book. Bad news, great book. Orphan and the Five Beasts, number four from Dark Horse Comics by James Stokoe. In this issue, our fighter is taking on a guy who cooks meat out of his own flesh. Don't worry, it grows back, so it's absolutely fine. Totally No notes. (laughs) This issue is so gross and so much fun, as every issue has been so far. I am just having a blast reading this book. What do you guys think? I agree. It is it is both gross and fun, uh, creepy, uh, and and all the kind of right and wrong ways. Um, but yeah, it's ton of action. Um, really great art. Um, yeah, just just a lot of great, cool samurai sword type stuff going on. I love that Meat Pie guy had so much potential, and he blew it because he got too into Classic. his cooking. I know. Well, he also blew it because, you know, everybody's so addicted to his amazing meat pies that, you know, if you throw a couple extra on the ground, they're going to forget what they're doing and go meat crazy. Exactly. Speaking of meat crazy, let's turn it over to Refrigerator Full of Heads, number four, because refrigerators are a place where you would store meat. DC Comics, written by Rio Ewers, art by Tom Fowler. In this issue, a biker gang is attacking our main character, but don't worry, she's got a disembodied shark head to take them down and a magical axe. Meanwhile, we find out some big revelations about what's going on in the background, and it ties into the original series, Bucket Full of Heads. Basket Full of Heads? Basket Full of Heads. Um... Great, great series, much funnier than I expected. Here's the thing. In this um, book, uh, one of the characters uses the shark mouth almost like a wood chipper. Right. Um, But is that shark mouth just going to be constantly biting? It's just going to be like nom, 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 nom? Yep. Yes. (laughs) 
That's, uh, yeah, there's no the option. Answer Thank you yes. for answering. Thank you for answering my question. <laughs> I mean, it just lets you show that, you know, we get so wrapped up in technology and all this stuff when really all you need in life is a magical axe and a shark head and solve all your problems. Yeah, that's true. What, uh, I give up what my cell phone. What problems are you solving specifically, Pete? I'm just saying, you know, maybe some people say some things about you, whatever, and you wish you had a magical axe and a shark head. I'm just saying. Would you like to give it all up and just be a head on a shelf or in a basket or a refrigerator? Sure. It takes the pressure off. You could just talk. We can still podcast. <laughs> yeah, that's right. I kind of am some, just a talking some days head. I feel, some days I feel yeah. like a head yeah. on a shelf. I feel like Futurama, man. Joy Operations, number four, from Dark Horse Comics, written by Brian Michael Bendis, art by Stephen Byrne. Now, I don't believe we've talked about the previous three issues of this, but this did feel like, particularly because we've been a little down on Brian Michael Bendis' DC output, I thought it'd be interesting to check out something from another publisher. What did you think about this one? Was it more in line of what you expect from Brian Michael Bendis or not? I don't know what's happening in this comic, really. <laughs> so, sure. I don't know. I, I like, and I haven't read the earlier issues, but even this issue, I was like, I. There's just a lot of the conversation feels even less impactful than normal with a lot of Bendis's work, where it does feel like it's chatty, but it's driving towards something. This mm-hmm. feels just like people talking and talking about something that I uh, didn't have a strong connection to. Yeah, I mean, it's hard when you're jumping in in the middle, um, you know, because it's you kind of like the person who's late to the party. Be like, hey, what are we all talking about? I'm not getting all the references. Uh, but I really did appreciate the uh, sen- a samurai uh, person who shows up and uh, is, uh, you know, cutting through some stuff. So that was cool. Uh, I agree. I thought. Even though I didn't know what's going on, the writing felt a little sharper than a lot of the stuff that Brian Michael Bendis has been doing at DC. I also really like Stephen Byrne's art a lot, so yeah. I thought that was pretty good. So I'm curious to potentially go back and read a little bit more so I understand what's going on here. But this is definitely not a first issue to jump in on. Next up, Catwoman number 40 from DC Comics, written by uh, Teeny Howard, art by Nico Leon. Pete, I know you were a big fan of Catwoman in general, and you certainly like the first issue here as she, I believe, moved back to Gotham City and was fighting against some new crime families. That's what we pick up on here. How do you feel like this followed up on the previous issue? I I really enjoyed this issue. I thought this was... uh the art's really unbelievable. Some great storytelling. I love the ending. It's like uh, creepy and stylish and cool. So I, I feel like this is a cool Catwoman, and I'm I'm enjoying it. Um, I agree. I think Catwoman um, being sort of out of the Batcat paradigm is is great here, and uh, the in- internal monologue. It, it struck me reading this like we in so many Batman stories, we're not in his head anymore. We're just watching him or hearing other people's take on him. And it's great to just be with Catwoman as she um, goes through this story. And I, I like Catwoman fighting against crime families uh, the best. The Department of Truth, number 16 from Image Comics, written by James Tynan IV, art by Allison Sampson. This is another sort of times past issue as we jump back to the 70s and find yeah. out about some conspiracy theory stuff there. Justin, 
you're a big fan of this series. Yeah, what did you just, think? Yeah, just some trippy hate yeah. Ashbury yeah. action. You're I think a big we're fan in the of 60s here. Yeah, I love drugs. I mean, I, I like this series, and I feel like it, it's really good, and they're able to really stretch out a little bit here and do these sort of world-fleshing-out stories that are just sort of jumping around to different areas where it feels like there's a, a lot of opportunity to tell these conspiracy-rich stories. And uh, I like it. I I thought it was really tripped out, which was, uh, you know, kind of a different uh, take for it. Uh, But, yeah, it continues to kind of move things forward in this uh, interesting way. The uh, Department of Truth does a really impressive job with his comics where the art style pushes the conspiracy a little bit and um, yes. uh, kind of pulls you into this world. Uh, and this world is uh, very tripped out, but still feels like a Department of Truth book. I, I thought the ending was very cool. So I'm excited to see on like uh, what that means for things going forward. And uh, yeah, kind of uh, how this is going to wrap up because man, it's been taking some big swings, which has been enjoyable to watch. Let's wrap up here with our request from Indie 77 on iTunes. Marvel Knights, Marvel Boy from Marvel, written by Grant Morrison, art by J.G. Jones with Ryan Kelly. This is the classic Marvel Boy series that introduced Novar back in the day. And I think a couple of other characters as well. I honestly don't know if Dr. Midas and the Exterminatrix were introduced beforehand. I certainly read about them afterwards. I'd never read this before. This is as wild as you would expect it to be from the team that's on board. But uh, what did you guys think? How did this strike you? I feel like this this book occupies a Graham Morrison we don't get very often, which is hmm. midway between his like here's a big I- bunch of big ideas where like this spaceship is made of music um, or um, the this rainbow is the the answer to the problem we've had all along or whatever, um, and the other side where we just get like a great action battle storytelling. And this is right in the center of that in a great way. And featuring a character who is sort of a dick, uh, who is like, uh, like not, he's not from earth and he's very much like this place is stupid. And then over the course of it, he has this relationship with exterminatrix who's uh, that's very cool. The art in this book is awesome. Just so good by, by JG Jones, um, top to bottom. And this character, Novar, we see later dating Kate Bishop um, in West Coast Avengers uh, in sort of the recent run of West Coast Avengers. So, like, this character is still around in the Marvel Universe and a character I think we should see more of. Pete? Um, Yeah, I mean, I, you know, it felt very 90s to me. Um, It's it's kind of, uh, you know... You know, uh, evil corporations, space aliens, uh, that kind of like. But uh, this was back before a lot of other people did that. Sure, sure, sure. But it's it, hard it to go back. Back when corporations were good. So yeah, yeah. Sort of, <laughs> yeah. Where it's like, let's all have a Coke. Let's and give Coke the world a, a Coke. Smile. Yeah, yeah, yeah that sounds good. fun. Yeah. Um, I, I just think that 
uh, you know, maybe reading at the time uh, would have been a little bit more. I would have been like a little bit more in awe of it. But mm-hmm. it, looking back at it now, it's kind of just like uh, the art style is is kind of of the time and era. Uh, same with some of the characters and the weird dad daughter thing kind of creeped me the fuck out. Uh, but um, a lot of cool action. I didn't appreciate the uh, all the trash talking about Earth, but I can appreciate what that person was coming from. You know their perspective. You know what I mean? Yeah, back off Earth, dude. Yeah, yeah exactly. it's, where, it's where, where I live. Yeah, I live here. I don't know if you, you know guys I mean? like. I live here exactly. Yeah. Like, get off my junk. Yeah. I the stuff that jumped out to me in particular, just to jump off of what you guys are saying, I thought Exterminatrix was a great character. I really. Yeah. Liked reading her almost more than Novar. Um, I also think it's almost, this isn't exactly correct, but like you were saying, Justin, it's almost one big action sequence the entire time. And there's just a propulsion there that happens throughout that's just very impressive to read. That we don't get from a lot of Grant Morrison mm-hmm. specifically, I feel like. Yeah, uh, but overall, good stuff, fun stuff. Thank you, Indy77, for recommending it. We really appreciate it. Yeah, thank you. Yeah, and if you would like to support our podcast, patreon.com slash comicbookclub. Also, we do a live show every Tuesday night at 7 p.m. to Crowdcast on YouTube. Come hang out. We would love to chat with you about comic books, iTunes, Android, Spotify, Stitcher, or the app of your choice to subscribe, listen, and follow the show at Comic Book Live on Twitter, comicbookclublive.com for this podcast and many more. Until next time, we'll see you at the comic book shop. Time to put my belt back on. Oh, boy. Don't go.